good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, here we are in the car driving back from Melbourne. We've had a fabulous trip. We've gone to Bright, done bike riding. We've gone down to Melbourne. I've met with my fabulous clients down there. Oh my gosh, it's so much difference as a coach. And I'm sure as a client meeting people belly to belly, face to face over a cup of tea or a, or a, a lunch or a dinner, it's just so much nicer. You, you look into each other's eyes and you know it's, it's, it's kind of like real and you feel the energy. We've been blessed because Jess has a, um, what is it, a Mazda CX-5, I think, if I remember rightly, and it's just like, uh, well, compared to the old BM, it's a little bit floaty and drifty. As a, as a man who loves driving European cars, this thing's a little bit, um, what you would call, uh, as you would call, uh, uh, Japanese. Well, you know, it's not as solid. And my, my 2002 old BM would outperform this thing, which is, you know, a very recent car, uh, for, uh, you know, on any road. <laughs> But that's if you wanted to drive it that hard. Driving it softly like we do, um, it's just beautiful. And of course, fuel economy-wise, we're, we're laughing all the way to the bank. So we're here today. I wanted to tell you a story. Now, some people have heard this story before. Some of you haven't. And it's a, 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 I think it's a really great story. And it leads back into the concept of uh, success, uh, success mindset. Uh, success formula so it actually does relate to everything we're doing in other places but it starts in a rather weird place and ends in a more weird place so in about 1997 uh, I was invited to speak at the World Congress on Corporate Consciousness in Cancun in Mexico um, in fact, I was the, the what was called the emergency speaker, so I didn't have a place in the booklet. I was just there on reserve and uh, just in case. And lo and behold, uh, I'm there sunning in the by the pool and uh, having uh, a beautiful cup of tea with Deepak Chopra. And boom, they put my name over the speaker at the hotel and say, "Mr. Chris Walker, would you please come to reception?" And the guy who was speaking next, half an hour from now was uh, his parent had turned ill and he had to immediately uh, fly back to the US. So I was on. And I went on stage and I did a one hour keynote and then I did a workshop uh, breakout session, they call them, afterwards, and which was packed to the walls, and so which is called a success. Um, and uh, with that, I met quite a host of people who wanted to bring consciousness, corporate consciousness, into their workplace. And half a dozen of those people were from Canada. And uh, uh, People Development of Canada was the company, and they invited me and asked me would I come to Canada and do some work with them. I ended up in Canada uh, doing the work that I've just talked about and corporate consciousness and working with indigenous people. and. Uh, after one particular session, um, an indigenous community leader came up to me and said, would you come to Big Cove, to our community? And I said, wow, that would be such an honor because since I was a little kid, I, I sort of resonated with the, the concept of indigen 
indigenous people because I and I grew up with them, and the uh, the idea of um, the uh, fantasy of the um, indigenous North American Indian, uh, as they were called back in those days, quite inappropriately, but that's what they were called, uh, cowboys and Indians, and and so here, here am I going to actually work in a community in what I would consider my childhood dream. And I went to the community and we did all sorts of festivals and they, people wore traditional clothes with all the bangles and the, and the um, beautiful leather tops with the dingle dangles hanging down and necklaces and we danced around uh, fires and uh, we sang and we did sweat lodges with uh, peace pipes and uh, traditional weapons at hand and drums and oh my god I gotta tell you um, you know they could have paid me to come uh, I, I went there uh, pro bono to work with the indigenous people but um, oh, I would have paid them in the end it was such an experience anyway in the course of doing this work and this leads to today's story in the course of doing all this work I became uh, respected, a respected member of the healing community, the traditional healing community of uh, the tribe of the of the, where I was working, and the people are, and people in nearby areas. And so they asked me, would I like to be initiated into the realm of being what's called a pipe carrier? And a pipe carrier is a med like a medicine person. A, a, it's quite a senior position in the community and I would have been one of the first and by saying would have been um, it sort of gives a hint to where this story is going to end I would have been one of the first white people allowed and initiated into the system the initiation process is worth talking about because it really adds a little flavor into this story there's a movie you can rent uh, uh, called a man called horse and A Man Called Horse is a really old movie, but it's about uh, a, a white guy um, who gets initiated into a community. And part of the initiation is that you go out in the forest with a group. Firstly, you do six months of prep, um, which is, um, I would call it ritualistic prep, which means you get to do sweat lodges and you talk truth and you learn about the different directions of, of spirit and you, you go through these particular learnings and then the day the weekend of the initiation you go with the group there's usually 18 maybe 18 people in this community some of them at the switch lodge are going through alcohol or drug rehabilitation or some form of re rehab and so there's quite a mix of people in the in the experience. We go out in the forest, we chopped a tree, we felled a tree, and that tree was as about as big as the typical lamppost in your street. So I would say, I don't know, 10 or maybe 12 meters long. And um, it's about uh, less than half a meter diameter, it's probably three, 400 mil diameter. And uh, we, uh, bark it, strip it, and carry it. And the damn thing must weigh a ton. I mean, I'm really serious. It, it was well over a thousand kilo. We carry it back 
to the grounds where this uh, Sundance, is what it's called, is about to take place. We spend the whole day digging a big hole where it's going to be put in and the, we, we then spend the evening trying to pull the thing vertical with ropes and tethers and all sorts of stuff. And attached to the top of this pole um, are strings, ropes. And those ropes have ties on them. And you spend one of the preparation days tying ties on this rope. And the ties are, are have a very important meaning to you. They, they're all, every time you tie a ribbon onto, this, uh, onto your rope, uh, which obviously they wouldn't in a traditional language call a rope, uh, every time you tie a ribbon on, you say a prayer, and it's for somebody or something that happened, and it's it's a really a significant piece of work. And so you end up with your long rope. It would be 20 meters long, and it's tied to the top of the pole. The pole goes vertical, and there's your rope hanging vertically down. The next day, with the pole in its place, uh, dirt solidly anchored into the ground, a fence put up around the area where you're going to reach your 20 metre rope out to the outskirts and virtually play ring-a-ring-a-rosy around this uh, pole. The difference between ring-a-ring-a-rosy and what you're about to do for the next three days of your life is quite stark because you then go out into the forest and whittle a stick and the stick is about the size of a, a normal HB pencil. So you whittle a stick about the thickness of a HB pencil, a normal pencil, and, but sharp as, sharp as shit on the other end, on the end. And that stick is going to be speared through your pectoral plate on the front of your chest. And you have two, one on each side above your nipples, and this is done without anaesthetic, uh, and um, the stick is speared through, so it's actually the back end of it and the front end of it have come out of your skin, and, and there's one on each side, and the two ends, the end of the rope that you've tied to the top of the pole is split in half, and half is tied to the left, and half is tied to the right, and you are now imprisoned, you are now belong to the pole in a sense. You can't walk away without ripping your chest in half and off. And from that point, the Sundance starts. And for three days, the drum, the drum band and, uh, and the singers uh, gather around to chant a storm, chant a wild storm. And visitors come from the community to encourage you, and, and, uh, but you're not allowed to consume anything outside of the circle which includes water on a very, 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 very hot day. So that's called a Sundance. And I had my sticks whittled, my ropes tied, my uh, part of the uh, process of erecting the center pole. I was ready to play Ring-A-Ring-A-Rosie with the stick stuck through my chest. Everything's ready. I even had a pipe that had been donated to me by uh, uh, one of the senior uh, um, medicine men of the tribe who believed in me and believed in the work I did. I even had that ready to be handed over, all wrapped in a blanket. It was his father's pipe. A very, very, very significant piece of 
you know, donation to me and, and a great honor. And I was humbled to the core. So that night we whittled our sticks, we erected the pole, our, our ring a ring a rosy uh, uh, ropes were hanging down ready to be uh, attached to our chest spikes. By the way, they went horizontally across the chest, just above the nipple. And I went back to the hotel room, which was a, a, a sort of a cabin on a farm nearby, because there was no hotel uh, anywhere near where we were doing this Sundance. And uh, I went to bed uh, at peace by myself in this little cabin. During the night, uh, I got visited by a white bear. Now. I'm not a sort of superstitious sort of guy, I'm pretty real. And I can honestly say to this day, I think it was a real one. So a bear came into my cabin during the night at some place, some or other, stood meters above me and screamed in English, would you believe? Go away, go away. Now, you're going to say, you're hearing the story, is Chris telling a story, is Chris just, was he dreaming? And, and I think that's a fair enough question. But if you, if, if you want my honest thing, I wasn't dreaming. I met a ghost, I met a spirit, or I met my uh, subliminal mind. I, got, I met something outside of me. And the next morning I got up just crying, crying. And I went to the medicine man who had was ready to give me his father's pipe and who'd sort of sponsored me into this incredibly sacred and very private ritual of the Sundance and he'd sponsored me into it and, and, and I was surrounded by people who were allowing, and some people weren't doing it with all that much enthusiasm, allowing a white person to be initiated in the Sundance. And I said to him, I got this dream last night. I got this thing last night. I got it visited by a white bear and it told me to go away. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. And I said, well, I, I have to worry about it because part of what I'm doing here is I feel like I've been guided to be with you guys and guided to be a part of your community and help you. But I also must respect your traditions, which include visits in the night from spirits and I said this thing has told me definitely and categorically not to proceed today with this Sundance and I stood in front of 17 angry disrupted uh, somewhat I would say feeling and those people feeling abused by the fact that I'd gone to this point and were, was was sort of taking away some of their heritage without going to the point of initiation and I walked away. I stayed for 24 hours at the Sundance to support the others but I wasn't welcome and everybody was looking at me and of course the accusation was you're a coward because of the pain that I was about to endure having a spike stuck through the middle of my pectoral muscle which I must admit has some truth in it 
uh, because the idea of that wasn't very pleasant. Um, and I had seen people, that what they give you to, to tolerate the pain is a whistle. And you blow this whistle as hard as you can in order to tolerate the pain of being cut, which is another way of blocking out sensory perception of pain, by the way. A little uh, wood whistle. I left having failed uh, miserably in becoming a medicine man and a, a, a pipe carrier in the Mi'kmaq community of Canada. Uh, not long after that, on another one of my visits to the community uh, to do the healing work that I was doing with the youth at risk, suicidal, to help the people who were going through personal family trauma to try and give them um, uh, some encouragement to go through their thing. Uh, I got uh, a warning that I should leave town really quickly because some of the people involved in the Sundance were, uh, 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 were coming after me with a gun. I jumped in the car and I've never been back. I think about it a lot because I think if you're going to say you're going to trust your subliminal mind, there's going to be situations like the one I just talked about that will leave you in a state of what if. What if I had have applied for that other job? What if I had have married that person? What if I had have said yes when I said no? What if, what, what if I had have said no when I said yes? What if I'd stayed in that relationship? What if I'd left the job when I was made the offer. What if, what if, what if, what if? And I think the truth of the matter is we all are given a purpose in this life. And along the road to living that purpose, there comes 90 degree turns. And those 90 degree turns are infinitely attractive. The idea of becoming a initiated pipe carrier in a community that I revere to this day, their tradition and their culture and their way of life, I revere it. And the idea of being initiated into it, it still haunts me as a loss. But could I travel the world and do the work I do, cross-nation, cross-culturally, could I go to, as I did, Tibet and do healing work? Could I go to Nepal and do healing work? Acting out the role of a pipe carrier for a Mi'kmaq nation in Canada. Could I be Chris Walker, which is more important because I am not a First Nation Canadian at, at birth. I am not uh, part of the heritage of their culture and I am not bound by the rules that govern traditional healing methods that the Mi'kmaq hold precious. And therefore, I'm not bound to be limited in my own way. And I know for a fact that I would not be here talking on this podcast, driving a car, talking to you about the universal laws of nature, talking to you about the people I've worked with from rock stars that are world famous all the way to CEOs of Fortune 50 companies, Fortune 50 companies, to 
people who've created amazing charities and to the Sherpa of Nepal. I would not have been able to reach across the spectrum of humanity that I have if I'd become something, if I'd branded myself a, 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 a Buddhist monk or a, or a, 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 a Sherpa or a, a, a Tibetan healer or whatever, or a life coach for that matter. I, if I'd branded myself, in pigeon myself into one of those things, the work that I do at a global level, which is what's in my heart of hearts, to change the world one heart at a time, this could not have t happened. And so the what if sits ripe, it's, it's there, it's, it's ready for the picking if I want it, but I always deny it and say, no, there is no what if. I was told not to, and I didn't. I didn't always know why, but I do now. This is Chris. Have a beautiful day, and I hope in all of your life you find a purpose bigger than yourself so all of these little stories in your life start to make sense this is chris have a beautiful day bye for now